It's so good to see God moving, isn't it? Well done, Embrace team. Thank you for everybody that's uh, serving and leading there. I mean, it's what really blessed me. Yeah, that's a good clap. You know, we could, you know. What really blessed me is just to see um, over the years the number of people that are, you know, the way that ministry is growing. And there's been a number of people that have been really faithful over the years, but there's more and more people coming as well. So that's just, it's wonderful. Well, um, I am, I have the privilege and the joy of finally finishing up our Faithful series, Faithful. And um, today I want to talk a little bit about uh, one of my favorite things to talk about, which is who we are in Jesus and our, on our, our journey with him. And um, so we're going to just jump straight into it. Let's just pray. Father, we love you. <laughs> we thank you that we can say that we loved you because you've loved us first. And I thank you that the whole earth is full of your steadfast love according to the Psalms. And we don't find you in a particular location, but we find you everywhere. I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you're inside of us. Thank you for that union and that oneness with Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And we ask Holy Spirit that you would lead us and you would guide us into truth. Your word is truth. Speak deeply to our hearts, Lord. We're not interested in having our ears tickled. We actually want to hear your voice. I thank you that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing down to the division of joint and marrow and soul and spirit. So come and pierce us, chop off, cut through whatever we need in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, it's something of a cliche, isn't it? Um, but to say this, that the Christian life really is a journey. And we've just celebrated some people today who have, um, you know, I think most people that I think got baptized today have already been, you know, followers of Jesus for quite a long time. But that external demonstration, that manifestation through baptism of the internal reality of their saying yes to Jesus and their transformation and their, their new life with him. You know, it's a, our life is a journey orchestrated by God, put into effect through Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, and lived out by us. And it's exciting. It's, it's a joy to, to be on that journey. It's a joy to be able to see those people being baptized. And I'm sure there's, and as, I'm, as I think as Jess said, lots more to come this, uh, in the second service. But that public declaration, it's what baptism is really all about. It's a public declaration of our following Jesus and who we are, uh, you know, and our faith in Jesus and it's a symbolic act as we go into the water of our death, as you know, with Jesus' death, of, of to go right under the, underneath the waters of baptism. What we're saying is our old life has passed away, it's gone. And as we're coming back out of the waters, up into that life again, we're actually saying that our life is now with Christ. Just as we've been got wet with water, the Bible says we're now clothed with Christ. So if you've been baptized, if you've, been, if you've said yes to Jesus, this is your reality, that you have been clothed with Christ, you have put on Christ. 
and Christ is in you and you are in Christ. And so I'm going to have a look at that just to remind ourselves of our identity before we then look at some of the ways that we can live faithfully towards our, towards our God. You know, as we look through the, the, the New Testament, particularly the writers of the, um, the letters uh, from Paul and, and others, they had to typically follows this, this format. The format is this, that we need to understand and their, their view and their desire is that we would understand who we are in Christ and what God has done for us and the reality of, of the change that's happened for us when we said yes to Jesus. But then our responsibility to walk that out, to live that out, and what does that look like practically in, uh, you know, in, in, in our day-to-day lives? And so I want us to have a quick turn, first of all, and I think it's going to come up on the screen to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to look at three, three verses. Um, I'm going to take us through on this little journey. I've got three scriptures, Ephesians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians 5, and then we're going to spend most of the time looking at um, 2 Peter, uh, hopefully anyway, depending on how we go. So the reality for all of us, and I know many of us know this, but it's worth just recapping, restating, making sure that we really understand the reality of who we are in Christ and what God has done for us, is that we are saved by grace through faith, which is not of our own, it's the gift of God. And so this is what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 10 to 10 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. How many of you are excited about grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor towards us. Grace is the reality that God is always leaning into us, that he's always favorably disposed towards us, that he has his affections and his gaze turned upon us and he absolutely loves us. Not because of the good things that we've done, but because of his choice of us. I mean, it's beyond belief, isn't it, really? It's, it's a glorious thing that God looks at us and sees us in his love, with his love. And he's not only released his grace to us, but he's released his faith to us. And so Paul goes on to say this, that not of, only of, your, not of yourselves, talking about the faith and the grace, it is the gift of God, not as the result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Aren't you glad that God has been faithful to us and his faithfulness to us is to enable us to be faithful back to him? We don't have this ability intrinsically within ourselves to be faithful, to do the right thing, to get it right. In fact, that's why we need a savior. We need a savior, we, need Jesus. we needed Jesus to come, we needed the grace of God, we needed the faith of God that he supplies because we were actually incapable, we are incapable of doing anything ourselves. Our works, the things that we could boast in, actually they amount to nothing. They're like filthy rags, the Bible says. Paul goes on to say that we are his workmanship. We've been created in Christ, in our union with Christ. He's prepared works for us to do that we would walk in in them. In other words, he's already mapped out a plan and a path and a journey. And his desire for you and I is that he would be faithful to us, faithful to the word, faithful to the calling, faithful to the promises that he's made, and that we will walk through that journey and fulfill the calling and the destiny that he has for us. That's a good thing. We We can rest in his grace and his goodness, right? And 
So the next scripture is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. A very, very familiar scripture. We're just going to read the one verse in verse 17. And the reality for each one of us is when we said yes to Jesus, what we've seen it symbolically in the baptism is that when we said yes to Jesus, our old nature has passed away and the new nature has come. And Paul says that in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. The old has passed away. The old nature, the old struggles, the old sin, the old things that we've kind of got bent out of shape with, the old ways that we've tried to make ourselves be someone or be significant or find our identity or find our truth, all of those things that we've sort of sought to, to, to base our lives in, they've all passed away Jesus, Paul's saying here that the new has come. What is that new? The new is the very nature and the very life and the very glory of God. So here's the reality for us. We might look the same as we did before. Everyone that was baptized, let's say, you know, if we were just newly, newly saved and we were baptized, when we come out of the water, other than looking a bit wet, we look like the same. But the reality is when we said yes to Jesus, we have had a significant shift in our nature, not just a shift, but an entirely new nature. And so as I was thinking about this, I, I was reminded of a little video clip that I want to show. And it's a sort of, you know, the, it's a bit of a, not a great analogy because there's a few things that it, you know, it falls down on in a minute, which I'll show you in a minute. But um, I, I felt like it would be good just to show you this, okay? So let me give you a context before we do that. It's a Top Gear video. It's going to be some car themes for today, okay? I, I'm thinking about our, our um, Lee, who's on our staff, who, who loves tractors. He goes to tractor pools and he loves all things mechanical and engineering. So Lee, this one's for you, wherever you are. Um, so here's the thing, you know, it was the old Top Gear. So it was the British guys, Clarkson, Hammond and uh, James May. And they're with the Australian Top Gear guys. And I like it because of the accents and I like it because it reminds me of home and, you know, Australia and some of the, you know, just the humor and all of that. But they have what they call a working man's vehicle race. And the basic premise is this. In Australia, they have what they call utes, which is like a pickup truck. But they love their utes and most of them, you know, could be like sports cars. There's a particular one called a Holden Commodore uh, and it's the Holden uh, Commodore ute. And it's this particular version is like the, it's called the Malou. And it is a, um, it's got basically got a Corvette engine in it. So 380 horsepower. It's, you know, it's, it's a pretty fast machine. And, um, and it's, a, it's a workman's truck. You know, it's kind of designed for people who are tradespeople and that kind of thing. So if we can have the video queued up, Paul, uh, that would be good. And uh, before we play it, I just have to say to you, there is... Um, there is one word that, you know, they, they, they say something that's slightly, un, you know, maybe that's something I wouldn't want to use, but please forgive me for that. But here's what it is, right? They're doing a, a workman's race. They're going to do a, a working man, workman's vehicle drag race. Okay, so you've got Hammond in the white transit van. And this is the Holden Commodore Malou, which is the, um, the Australian guy. Uh, in it, and we're going to play it, and we'll watch it, and then I'll share a few things. Lord. This is not a good start for us. This exhaust is blowing. Badly. That really suits you, that. 
I can't, I can't imagine you in anything else, Bruce. It is just Bruce in a Bruce-mobile. And look at Nigel over there. Can we just stand back? Because this is, I'm afraid, going to be... A bloodbath. It is. A bloodbath. <laughs> exactly. Right? You're still sure you want to do this? Yes. Yes. Why do I have to do the first event? And why does it have to be in an old vat? All I'm going to do is watch that little green line and then win. Traditional gesture. That's that's not a van. It no, is a van. It is a van. Did you see the look on Nigel's face when it took off? They don't believe it's a van. Pretty impressive. I like your van. And they're all like that. That's what is this? Look at I will prove to you that it is and van. It's a van. Behold, look at it. it's a van. What is that? It even managed to beat you while carrying an engine in the back. Isn't Ready? It? Hang on. It Hang says on. Jaguar. Yeah, but all right, this might be a bit, yes. And it's turbocharged, too. It is slightly turbocharged. It's actually, it, what it is, if I'm honest, it's a Jaguar XJ220. Oh! Did you say we weren't allowed to bring a Jaguar-propelled van? Well, no. <laughs> no is no, it a van? Is a van a commercial vehicle? You could have warned yes. me. I got the shock of my life. <laughs> <laughs> honest to God. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love how they call them Bruce and Nigel. So, you know, Nigel being a quintessential Pommy or English name and, and, uh, and Bruce being the quintessential Aussie name. I love it. You know, I just, I love the, re <laughs> I just love that as a, as a kind of picture of, of, of who we are. I mean, it falls down a little bit because it's still just a transit van that's just got a slight upgrade in the, on the inside of it. So it's not kind of, it's not fully true because we are whole new creations, but I love the reality of that, that, you know, it's what it speaks to me is that we have a new nature. You know, we might look like we're the same on the outside. We might look like we're a bit dinged up. We're a little bit, you know, old. We're looking a little bit tired. We're looking a bit ragged around the edges. We might look like this. We're not a lot. There's not a lot to us. It might look like we're ordinary, we're plain, we're disqualified. It might look like that there's not much on the outside. It might look like we don't have it all together. We might look like on the outside something that could be, you know, scorned and people could look at us and go, well, your life doesn't amount to much. You don't look like you've got it all together. But the reality is what's on the inside is quite different from what's on the outside. And um, here's the reality for us. We possess a new nature that, is, we can, that we can do far more, we can do far more than the sleek and the beautiful and the well put together and everything that looks shiny on the outside because we have a new nature and the reality of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside. So here, this is for you. If the kids 
are stretching you a lot at home with their behavior. If your boss is really annoying you, if you're struggling to finish your schoolwork and graduate on time, if you're having difficulty with anxiety, if you're coming under pressure from those around you to do the wrong thing, if you're called to step out into a new business venture, but you're worried that you're gonna fall flat on your face, if you're needing wisdom to create some fresh new revenue streams in your life or uh, get some new contracts in your workplace or better manage your finances and your expenses, if you're wanting to change a habit that you've been struggling with, that you have been just, it's been besetting you and in, in just struggling all, you know, throughout of your life and you need more discipline, if you need to have more discipline about how you spend your time, if you need more discipline in, or more love in how to confront people, how to stand up for yourself, how to have good relationships, how to just communicate what you need, if you need power and love to share your faith more, if you need more for your life, here's the good news. You're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You've stepped into a new, fresh reality. Whatever is hard, whatever is scary, whatever is overwhelming, whatever is difficult, whatever is habitual in a negative way, God has given you a new nature and empowered you to live the life that you've always dreamed of. And more importantly, to live the life that he's prepared for you already to do that he's mapped out for you, that he's already walked through, that he's already stepped in. He knows the end from the beginning. He's walked through your journey. He's walked through every step. He's walked through every season. He's walked through every change and transition and everything that's happened. And he's worked it all out for your good. And he's created you to walk in those good deeds. And he's saying, I have a plan for your life, but I'm not just gonna let you go. Like one of those little, those little you know, when the kids were little, we had these wind up toys. You know, they put them in the bath, it was like a little duck, and you wound the toy up, and they went, and then sort of ended, and it sort of flapped a little bit and then ended, right? And then you had to wind it up again. God hasn't given us that nature where he just winds us up a little bit and then, and then we stop. He's actually given us a whole new nature and empowered us with the fullness of God and the fullness of heaven. He's upgraded us on the inside. And so if we're doing a drag race in the, in the race of life, we're going to win. We're going to win. We might not look like it. We, you know, there might be days, certainly days for me, where I feel like a transit van. You know, I feel like ugly and stuck and chipped and dinged and you know, damaged and all of those things. But the, the outside, the circumstances of my life the things that I feel are not actually the reality of who I am. It's just my circumstances in the moment. And what I need is a fresh perspective. What I need is to remember that even though I might look like a transit van, I've got a Jaguar engine on the inside. Actually, I've got even better than a Jaguar engine. I've got the atomic force of heaven. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him far above all principalities and powers and rulers and names and every name that can be named and every dominion and every authority that's taken me up through the heavens, through the first, through the second, into the third heaven and seated me with Christ in the heavenly places and seated all of us with Christ. And that is the power that's at work in us. We've got the God of the breakthrough on the inside. So let's have a look at 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read just 11 verses of the first, 11 verses of, of that. So thank you, Sarah. 
We're reading from the uh, New American Standard Version. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'll just say this again. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. We have the same faith as the apostles. Let that sink in. Because it wasn't their faith. It was God's faith. And God's faith is released to us. Grace and peace, verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them, the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, brethren, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble." For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Notice the starting point. It's the faith that God supplies. We come to know Jesus. We've all said yes to Jesus, not because we had a revelation that we worked out ourselves. It's because Jesus himself made himself known to us by the Spirit. And he gave us salvation and he gave us the same kind of faith as the apostles which is his faith but notice the destination the end point verse 11 God is it's the entrance is into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his purpose is to bring us on a journey of experiencing greater levels of glory greater levels of encounter greater levels of understanding greater levels of relationship in Jesus as we go through this journey Ash will be talking a little bit more next week about uh, communion and fellowship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So, nine years ago today, I was, uh, Duncan and I, uh, Duncan's my brother, if you don't know Duncan, he's uh, the senior leader of this church and founding pastor with his uh, wife Kate and I, and um, Aaron's brother Stephen, Aaron was leading worship this morning, if you don't know. And um, our, our pastor from Montreal, Catch the Fire Montreal, called uh, Jerry Plunkett. And then a, and a, an African, a Nigerian brother who was a, a missionary in Senegal. We, we did this um, road trip from Belgium, uh, from Brussels, Belgium, in Europe, through France, through, uh, well, Belgium, France, uh, um, Spain, over the ferry into um, Morocco. Through, Western, through Morocco, through Western Sahara, through Mauritania, through Senegal, and then uh, Northern Guinea, 
and uh, Côte d'Ivoire or Ivory Coast, uh, Burkina Faso, and then into Niger. And it was a wonderful, a wonderful trip. We bought two um, Toyota four-wheel drive vehicles in Belgium, kitted them out, and then drove them to our, our mission that we were, we've been partnering with in, in Niger. It was a, a 10,000 kilometer or 6,000 mile journey that we did over some fantastic African roads. Um, you know, we had this little, we, so a, a year, uh, nine years ago today, we were in Northern Guinea driving on mud roads. And we had this little saying, you know, you know that you're driving in Northern Guinea when a wasp can overtake you in your car. <laughs> That's how slow it was. And so we did 11 countries in 18 days. We averaged 13 hours a day driving. And I think our average speed, including all the parts that we went through Europe, uh, was 30, 30 miles an hour. So it tells you just some of the, uh, the challenges with the, the roads. We, we crossed seven borders. We, we waded through, and this is not recommended, this is a really bad idea. If you go into any four-wheel drive forum or you know anything about off-roading at all, this is not the thing to do. But we got stuck, we got lost, we were in the jungle of Northern Guinea and um, they, they told us to kind of go down this road and it, as we were driving down the road, um, we, I, I was looking into the, over the road here, like through the trees and I thought, oh, we must be coming to a, um, a village because I can see some lights over there. And as we come round the corner, and we're talking about a one-lane track road with tall trees literally right here and tall trees literally right here through the middle of the jungle. And uh, as we come round the corner of the road, the whole forest is on fire. And we're like, okay, that's not a town. That's, you know, there's a strong wind that's kind of blowing across. And so we just sort of gunned it through as quickly as possible. Because, you know, there's no going back. There's a six-hour journey backwards and, you know, and they said, oh, they, you'll, you'll, you'll hit a couple of rivers. Turns out we had four rivers to cross and it was dark and there was lightning all around and so you're in danger of flash floods and we didn't know how deep the rivers were but we couldn't go back because there's a forest fire behind us. And so we're like, okay, we had two, two, two vehicles. One was um, called Matilda. We called the, the big one Matilda because she had a, the Toyota had a suspension, old man emu suspension, which is an Australian type of suspension. And, um, and uh, she was pretty heavy on the diesel, so she had a drinking problem. So we called her Matilda, an Australian woman with a drinking problem. And, um, sorry, Ash. And I forget what we called the other one, but we sent Matilda in first just to make sure because she had, you know, the you know, extra suspension height and she made it through. So, you know, we made it through, but we had no recovery gear. We had nothing. We just drove through. It's just totally the wrong thing to do because we could have floated down the river and never to be seen of again, right? The other alternative was to wade through the river, but I didn't know if there was crocodiles there. So we're like, okay, Jesus, you're going to cover us. So we got lost in the jungle. We drove through as bushfire. We drove into a riot where we got protesters around us with big sticks who were protesting the, the white mine owners for not giving them enough money. And I'm sitting there with the Niger my Nigerian friend, you know, so I've got a, a, you know, an African driving and me as a white guy in the passenger seat, you know, thinking that maybe I'm one of the mine owners. You know, it was a bit, it was a bit, it's a bit scary. Uh, we went through no man's land, which is a strip between uh, Mauritania and Western Sahara, where there's, it's full of landmines. Uh, we even got chased, apparently we didn't know this until we got to out of Mauritania, but we even got chased by Al Qaeda. So it was an epic journey. Nine years today, as I said, we were, we were in Northern Guinea driving on these roads. 
uh, actually going across one of the rivers in the daylight with a hand-cranked ferry. So another, what that was was a little, some ropes across the, the, the short stretch of river. You would drive onto the barge and then the, the people would be cranking it forward and you'd inch forward as they were using manual power. I love, I love road trips. I could do that all over again other than missing Ash. And maybe she could come with me next time and it would be amazing. Right, but here's the, here, and I was thinking about that. Here's the thing, you know, you've got the engine, you've got the vehicle, you've got the, the fuel, but there's so much more that goes into a trip than just having a car. Right, you've got to make sure that the car's working, you've got to make sure that it's fueled, but then you've also got to look at things like maps, you know, so we printed off Google Maps, we printed off the turn-by-turn instructions, which seemed like a really good idea at the time, until you miss the turn, and then you have no other instructions because you've just blown past your first instruction and now you don't know where you are. So we're getting lost in Rabat in Morocco because our turn-by-turn instructions didn't quite work, right? You need food, you need mechanical service. You had to factor in the fact that, you know, we were, there were new vehicles and so we had to stop at 1,000K and then stop at 6,000K to get the thing serviced and you have to plan that in. You had, we had to have visas, we had to have foreign currency, we had to have drivers, we had to have fuel, we had to have accommodation, we had to have a whole bunch of different things to get to where we were going. We also had to get up and do it. You know, I had to get up every morning and go, hey, we're back in the saddle again. My bottom's feeling a little sore, but hey, we're going to drive another 13 hours today. Yay, through these African roads and we're going to see what kind of adventure it is. There's no stopping until you've accomplished a mission. You have to keep going, there's no way back, or if you go back, you, you know, by the time you get halfway in, it's just, might as well just keep going. You have to forget about the miles that are behind you and focus on the miles that are ahead of you. And this is really what Peter's talking about here. What Peter's saying is we're on a journey where we've received salvation and we're going to be ultimately into the eternal realm of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But in the meantime, we have a journey to go through and we have certain things that are really important in that journey. And I'll just have a look at what God has given us. God has granted everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything that you, you and I need, God has given us. We should all be saying, thank you, Jesus. He's also given us a calling, which is the mission. He's given us, in verse 3, he's given us the mission, the calling. He's called us by his own excellence and his own glory. He's granted to us his great and magnificent, or other translations say precious, promises, which enable us to be characterized by the divine nature, to, be, to live in the reality that we now have his quality of, of his nature, his life, his joy on the inside of us, the emotional health of Jesus, the emotional strength of Jesus, the purity of Jesus, the holiness of Jesus, all on the inside of us, now partaking his divine nature. But not only that, but we're actually having been given an escape, a way out, a parachute out of the corrupt life that we had, which was there, dominated by lusts and desires. He's got us out of trouble. He's got us out of the mud. He's got us out of the places where we've had engine failure. He's got us out of all those things that are causing us, that would cause us to not live in the place that he wants us to be. He's done it all for us. He's supplied everything we need. Aren't you glad about that? When we're talking about living a life of faithfulness, when we're talking about living faithful to God's call and the purity of who he's made us to be, that actually we have the energy of heaven to be faithful. 
Because the Bible says even though we are not faithful, he is always faithful. And when we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. Not just some of it, not just a little portion of it, all of our unrighteousness. Not just to forgive, but to cleanse, which means to get rid of it entirely. Come on, it's the beautiful nature of the gospel. But I want you to notice this, the shift that happens in verse 5. This is the shift. It says, for this reason, Peter's just been talking about all that God has done for us, all the magnificent things, the new nature that we have, his divine nature now part of us. But then he says this, in, for this reason, in view of all that God has done for us, you and I have got a part to play. It's not set and forget. It's not wind up and blah, 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 until we run out of steam. Actually, what God is saying is this. Paul, Peter's saying, apply diligence, be all the more diligent, make every effort. Seems like a bit of an oxymoron, doesn't it? That we're to enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ, but yet at the same time, he uses some really powerful action words. Supply, possess, practice, increase. Supply, possess, practice, increase. Action words. Those action words are words that flow out of God's provision. You know, when you I don't know about you, but there's sometimes there's certain things that when I wear a particular type of clothing or, you know, I have a jacket that I really love, I, I feel really good about myself. You know, you put on that leather jacket or, you know, ladies for you, you put on a dress that maybe you think you look really beautiful and your husband goes, whoa, you look great. And so you're like, yeah, I'm full of confidence. I'm just going to strut my stuff. Well, you know, that's probably not the right thing to do. You know, I just remember that uh, John Travolta movie, Saturday Night Live. What is it? What are you going to do? I'm going to strut. Anyway, moving on. When you feel loved by people around you so that you, take, that you can take the risks because people are cheering you on, or when you feel really attracted to that guy or that girl and, or, and, and, you, and, and you just take that bold move because you're so motivated by the affection that you have for them, or you, know, you just feel confident because you've had a win at work or whatever, right? How we, how, you know, some of those positive things actually cause us to live differently, right? And so what Peter's saying here is because God has you and because he's given you all that you need, take action, walk with your head high, supply, increase, practice, all of those things. And it's a discipline, it's a choice. So a couple of weeks ago, I was in Florida visiting a friend of ours, Troy, and um, I was in um, Fort Myer Airport flying back. I had been in uh, Canada for the week uh, in Toronto and then came back for a few days and then went to, to visit Troy for a, a few days. And um, I was really desperate to get home. And um, it was two Saturdays ago now, so there was this great swath of weather that came through the, um, uh, through the East Coast. And uh, I get to... I get to the airport and it's like a zoo. I mean, there's literally a thousand people there and then you're not a very big airport and you, you could only walk in one direction. You got into the flow and you could all only walk in this direction because everybody was in that place. And we're all kind of just like lemmings walking around and I'm like, oh Jesus, please help me. So we end up taking off about a couple of hours late and we, I land in New York. Um, at about 11 o'clock, my flight was meant to leave but at 8. But when we get off the plane, there's five of us getting onto the plane in Raleigh. Um, 
we get off the plane, I can see it's still, the flight hasn't left yet. So I don't know if you've been to LaGuardia, but we had, you know, you're in one terminal, you've got to get across to the other terminal, so you've got to get on the bus and you've got to run. And so we're all running together and, you know, the faster ones are running ahead, but the slower ones still make it. And you know, we get there and we get to the gate, we're like, ah, we made it, don't go, it's good. Ah. And then the guy's, well, sorry everybody, but the flight crew hasn't turned up, the flight's canceled. Oh man. And so, you know, it's like 11.30, 11.40 at night. So I'm like, but the good news is you can either stay in the, ho- in, the, in, the, in the airport, they'll keep it open for you all night, <laughs> yay, or um, give yourself, you know, we'll give you a taxi voucher. So I'm, I'm taking the taxi voucher. So, you know, get out of, get an Uber. I've dressed for Florida, right? So I'm in like a little hoodie, it's a t-shirt, and I get outside and it's like 10 degrees. And it's freezing, so I'm waiting for the Uber and I'm chatting, chatting, and I, I booked a hotel on booking.com and you know, it was last minute, so I, as, I'm, as I'm in the Uber, I'm like, oh, Jesus, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm going on the Uber and the, the, the hotel calls and says, hey, um, I don't know what just happened, but we don't have a booking for you because it's already been taken. There's a problem with booking.com. Oh man, I'm already in the taxi. Well, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. This is the last room. Okay. So I told the, the Uber guy, hey, just, just wait. So he pulls over. I make, I make another booking on booking.com for another hotel. Get to the hotel. He's, the Uber driver's like, so just give me the thumbs up if it's good. So I go into the hotel. I'm like, it's the right place. It's good. And I said to the guy, hey, I've got a, I've got a reservation. He goes, no, you don't. I said, I just, gave, I just gave away my last room. I see the booking here on booking.com, but we don't have a room anymore. So I'm like, by this point, it's like, one o'clock. And I, you know, these are moments where I have to learn to add to, where I have to learn to take responsibility for myself and live out of the reality of my new nature in Christ and not just freak out and throw my toys out of the, you know, the crib and have a hissy fit on the airline person, because many people were, or have an airline on the Uber driver, or have a, a, an airline on the Uber driver. What does that even mean? You got me. Have a, have a you know, hissy fit on the, of the Uber driver, or you know, even the, you know, the, the, the hotel guy, right? It's also a moment to think, okay, Lord, I'm just resting in your peace. So I, 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 uh, I said to the, the hotel guy, can I just sit in the lobby and make some phone calls? He said, sure. So I sit and I, I make 17 phone calls to different hotels at one o'clock in the night, at night. Every single one of them, the first 16 were kept closed because it was like sweet, it was uh, C tournament or whatever was happening there, right? And so the whole place was busy, ACC. C, ACC, whatever. <laughs> it's an Australian Englishism, I think, maybe. Um, and so the final one is like, yeah, we've got a room for you. So, and I looked online and it was, you know, they do a rating, right? So it was good. I'm like, oh, okay. So I have to now walk in 10 degrees with wind in my little shirt about seven or eight minutes. And I'm, as I'm running, I look, it's like 2, 2.55, 1.55 in the morning. And, um, and as I'm looking at it, it says, you'll arrive at three o'clock. I'm like, what? Three o'clock? I saw, I'm like, no, that can't be right. I must have got to the wrong place. I checked, am I going to the right place? Yes, I'm going to the right place. It doesn't matter. It's obviously, you know, spaz, you know, freaking out. So I won't bother with that. I get there and I realize I've just walked through daylight saving. And now it's three o'clock in the morning. And now I'm at a hotel that only takes cash. In New York, in Queens. And I'm like, 
And he says, I need to take, there's only, but there's, there's like a, a dodgy ATM over on the other side of the room, you know. A $60 deposit, $100 cash. So I go up to the first room, the, the card won't work, so I go back down again, you know, it's like 3.30 in the morning by this point. I get, he gives me another one and I go and I'm like, oh Jesus, please don't let me die. And I, because as I'm coming in, this other couple are coming out and they're like, we have two, two rooms booking, a, a two night booking, but we're leaving now. I'm like, <laughs> And so I, 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 get to, I get into the room, I have a shower because I'm freezing cold, turn the heating on, and the heating's not working, the AC's blowing out cold air. I don't have a blanket, so I get my towel, I'm putting my towel over me and I'm lying in this, in this you know, hotel room, turn the AC off, and then about, I'm like lying awake thinking, no, oh, Jesus, please help me. And half an hour later, there's, two, there's a couple down the road, down like two or three rooms down there, and they start having this massive, massive argument. They're screaming at each other, they're shouting at each other. It goes on for an hour. I turn the, turn the thing back on, even though I'm freezing, because it just at least drowns out part of the noise. Six o'clock rolls around, I'm still wide awake. I slept from seven, six till seven, and I got up. I'm like, I don't want to miss my flight. I'm going to be at the airport like five hours early, right? All of that to say, my choices in those moments are, am I going to live out of my new nature? Am I going to live out of the su supply? Am I going to live out of the, I'm going to take responsibility to increase, to add to? Am I going to take, live out of this place of practice and possessing my new nature? Or am I going to actually let my circumstances drive me into a place of despair, anguish, lack of peace, and just, does God even love me anymore? Now, I have to say, I managed to choose that one, but when I got home, as I got into the car, Ash was playing this, uh, the Bethel song from the, uh, Ring in the Robe from that uh, new Homecoming album, which I, I love. And, the, and as I got into the car, the, the lyric was Welcome Home, and I just burst into tears. <laughs> but I'm thinking, but you know, in that moment, I'm like, I realize I've got a discipline, I've got a choice, I've got an opportunity. Am I going to? Take my faith, which has been granted to me by God, am I going to take that and add to that the moral excellence or virtue that God has given me? And am I going to take that moral excellence and I'm going to actually, in, in that moral excellence, am I going to add to that knowledge? I'm going to keep asking, Lord, would you give me revelation and insight, not necessarily of what's going on in the moment, but the reality that you're here with me. And am I going to take that, and it's a discipline, right? Am I going to take that knowledge and supply to myself self-control that I manage my own behavior and I manage my own emotions and I don't, you know, look after, get a step so into my cravings or my urges that I seek the Holy Spirit for breakthrough? Am I going to manage that because I have the reality of heaven on the inside of me or am I going to fall apart? And then in that place of, of self-control, am I going to actually just keep pushing through, keep persevering, keep believing, keep my eyes on Jesus, keep speaking to myself and saying, you can do this because Christ is with you. Am I going to add to that perseverance to not let, let myself give up? And in that place of perseverance, am I going to add to the godliness, which is really the way that I treat other people? Am I, most of that is either internal or upward, but now we start to get into this reality of how am I going to act towards the guy that everybody is screaming at because his flight, the flight's just been cancelled? Am I going to come in a different spirit? How am I going to act towards you know, the, 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 the people that are saying no to me? Am I going to act in godliness? Am I going to demonstrate God's life in me? Am I going to live out of God's nature? 
It's my responsibility. And in that moment, am I going to add and supply in my godliness to brotherly affection so that I actually live in a place where I live with, in love for everybody, for all y'all? Or I get frustrated and I get angry. And in that place of brotherly kindness and affection, am I supplying the love, which is God's love? I love the fact that the, tra- this, this, the progress, the, 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 the journey that, that Peter outlines here is that it starts with love, faith, which is from God. And it ends with love, which is from God. And it's our, but it's our responsibility in the process, in the middle of it all, to add to, to supply, to increase, to step out, to practice, to step into, to live out of the reality of who God's made me to be. And that's why we as a church community, as we press in for faithfulness, we actually want to not just, there's certain things in your life that you cannot just pray in. There are certain things that you have to practice. You have to practice how to return to joy. I have to practice sometimes when I get triggered by ash to not just give her the cold shoulder, but to actually learn that that issue is my issue, not her issue, and make a step to rebuild relationship. Not that she's disconnected, but that I've disconnected. Or sometimes there's moments where she has disconnected and I have to learn, okay, this is not me. I'm not going to take it personally. What I'm going to do is I'm going to love her rather than write her off in that moment. There's moments, those kind of things that I have to learn how to do. I have to learn how to take my thoughts captive. I have to learn how to, to live out of, in faith those, and practice those things that, that, that God's been speaking and doing on the inside of me. And so while we love we love things like the Freedom Night or Restoring the Foundations or Sozo or other, other heart ministries. And, and those are really beautiful and, and powerful. And we want to make sure that you are walking in freedom so that you can live out the life that God's called you to. But we also love relationship and things like our Thrive groups where we actually get to learn and practice in a setting where we get to learn to relate to each other and do things and mature in ways that is all about our relationships with people. Not just, you know, you can't pray in how to return to joy. You have to learn those kind of things. And so here's the thing. What, Paul, what Peter's saying here is God's done it all. We have a part to play. Here's a note of caution. As I said, the bookends of faith and love are both from God. Don't make your diligence in doing those things your savior. Don't work to get God's favor by adding brotherly love and kindness and all of those things, you already have God's favor. But because you and I have God's favor, because we've earned, we, we can't earn his love, because we've already given, he's already given us his love, we're already cherished and he, he's, he's got us, let the reality of what's inside in our faithfulness to him flow out and be diligent and disciplined to others. And here's the outcome that Peter's saying. If you practice these things, If you live out of your nature and you seek to grow and to press in a relationship and you seek to grow and discipline yourself, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be fruitful and you're going to be useful. You're not going to stumble and you're going to receive entrance into the eternal kingdom of Jesus. And you're going to live a life that's full of faithfulness. Because here's the thing. God's more interested in your character than he is in your anointing. God's more interested in your character than your competence. God's more interested in who you are than what you do. 
Now he's interested in those things. He supplies his anointing. He supplies competence according, according to 2 Corinthians 3. He, he, or 2 Corinthians, yeah, he, he, he's interested in, he's got, work, he's got jobs for you and I to do. We're in, made in his image. He's given us good things to do, broad and wide deeds. But what he's interested first and foremost is, are we going to be faithful to him, living out of his nature? And are we going to be faithful to each other, living out of his nature? And are we going to be faithful to ourselves? So I want to just encourage you. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand if you would, please. I'm just going to, as we bring this to a close, I want you to hear those words. In fact, I just want you to put your arms out, if, hands out if you would. I'll just get into a posture of receiving I just want to, I'm going to actually turn this into a prayer from, one Peter, from 2 Peter. I bless you that you have received a faith of the same kind as the apostles by the righteousness of your and my God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. May you understand that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, that everything that you need is found in him and that he would be your supply. And it would come through the true knowledge of him who called you and us by his own glory and excellence. So I bless you to keep pressing into that true knowledge of Jesus. I bless you to receive the promises, the precious and magnificent promises that he's given you, to internalize them, to receive them, to walk in them, so that by them you become and understand that you're a partaker of the divine nature. I bless you to walk free of the corruption that's in the world by lust. And I bless you to apply all diligence in your faith that you would supply moral excellence. In your moral excellence, you would supply knowledge. And in your knowledge, you'd supply self-control. In your self-control, you'd supply perseverance. And in your perseverance, you'd supply godliness. And in your godliness, your brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, you would supply love and that you would receive love. I bless you that you would not be useless nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus, but that you would be fruitful and useful. I bless you to not be blind or short-sighted, to remember that you've been purified from your sin and to walk in his calling. I bless you to be diligent, to make certain of his calling and his choosing. I bless you to practice these things. I bless you not to stumble. I bless you to have the entrance, to, re to receive the entrance, to know the abundant supply from heaven that you would experience the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Just receive that blessing. Just receive that blessing. You know, when, when Isaac blessed Jacob and he released that blessing, Jacob, uh, Esau then comes and says, is there anything left for me? And, Jacob sa and, and Isaac says, no, I've given it all away. The blessing has been released. And so I bless you in Jesus' name, Jess.